Good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. We're so glad that you are here. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please send your spirit upon us that what is spoken and what is heard might be carried by you and reveal to us the face of your son, Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. God is an acquired taste. God's an acquired taste. Our spiritual palate, the taste buds of our soul, they're not naturally drawn to divinity. Left to our own devices, we don't delight in God. We don't pleasure in God. And to many of us, that might sound like a shocking way to think about God, like, <laughs> I didn't come to church for pleasure, right? And yet, Scripture says... How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And it says, at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Westminster Catechism, a classic document for teaching the faith, says the chief end of humankind is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Enjoy. Do you enjoy God? Do you want to? I want to tell you how. We're in week two of our preaching series on the rhythm of life and a vision to anchor our community life at St. Paul's, a spiritual rhythm based on five ancient Christian practices. Last week, we heard from Karen about worship, the fountainhead of everything else, our weekly gathering to praise and glorify God, to gather before God and to give God God's worth. That's what we're doing right now. Well done. First rhythm. Check. This week, we turn to prayer and study, rhythm number two. And there's lots of ways we could talk about prayer and study, but to many of you, especially if you've spent time in church, I know that right off the bat, when I say prayer and study, it's going to sound like burdens, like obligations that 99% of us aren't doing as well as we ought to with. Like in every single church I've ever been part of, if you were to ask the majority of people, how's your prayer life? How's your walk? You doing, doing okay with Bible study? How's your quiet time? You're going to get an expression like, and the reply is invariably, well, not, not where it ought to be, honestly. It's unimaginable that you would ask someone, like, how's your prayer life? And they'd be like, super good, actually. Really, really healthy, right where I want it. Might, might need to dial it back a little bit. And it's precisely because we tend to think of prayer and study like duties that I want to come at it from a different angle. Because prayer and study are less obligations to be met or not than they are a way of learning to delight in God to cultivate that palate. Because through prayer and study, what we do is we rewire our sin-tangled spiritual neural pathways so that we learn to taste sin for the lethally bitter poison that it is and learn to delight in God. In the context of rhythm of life then, what do we mean when we talk about prayer and study? Put simply, prayer and study is a daily rhythm of drawing near to God that overflows from what we're doing right now. Prayer and study is related to the weekly rhythm of worship, like one of those champagne towers at weddings. If you're coming from a Baptist background, just mentally translate this metaphor to a chocolate fountain. <laughs> I used to be a Baptist, so I'm allowed to make that joke. Uh, like worship is the top glass, and it overflows into all the glasses underneath. Prayer and study is like that. Our worship on Sunday is overflowing into all the other days of the week, just cascading down. And in that overflow of worship, here's what prayer and study are. 
prayer is a human being directed toward God in the whole of who they are, body and soul and mind and heart and spirit. And sometimes it involves words. Sometimes prayer involves words. Words can give shape to how we approach God. The writer Anne Lamott describes our three fundamental prayers with single words, help, thanks, and wow. And most of what we say to God is one of those. But prayer doesn't always involve words. It can be silent contemplation. It can be a vast stillness. It can be the apprehension of waves upon waves of love. It can be a flood of weeping. In my own life, some of the most powerful experiences of prayer have been wordless. Most of the time, our, our, our bodies, our souls, minds, hearts, our spirits are pulled in every which way, drawn here and there. But in prayer, we, we focus all of them on God. That's what prayer is. Study is, is a bit more quotidian. It's a bit more vanilla. It's a regular mental diet of things that draw your mind to God. Fill your mind with God. Focus your mind on God. And the staple of this mental diet is Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God that's bred for the faithful. But not exclusively so. If you were plating the meal of study, Scripture should occupy the majority of the plate, but it's complemented by the side dishes of theology and poetry and literature, history and science. And prayer and study, they go hand in hand. They complement each other because prayer without study is wild. It's untethered from the decisive revelation of God that we get in Scripture. And study without prayer, learning about God without ever approaching God, is like going to the Natural History Museum and thinking you've come away learn, knowing everything there is to know about lions. You can be rich in doctrine and impoverished in soul. But prayer and study together are like a beautiful meal paired with an extraordinary wine where each makes the, more, the other more delightful and more delicious. So that's what prayer and study are. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's nothing surprising, no rocket science here. But what I really want to talk to you about is the role of prayer and study in a healthy spiritual rhythm of life, why they matter, how they're going to help you cultivate that appetite, that taste for God. And I have to start by letting you in on a bit of a pastoral trade secret, which is, sorry guys, this pains me to admit, sermons aren't that important. They're not nearly as important as preachers wish they were. Because let's be honest, how many sermons can you actually remember? I mean, seriously, I've been preaching for a long time. I can't remember most of the sermons I've written, let alone the other ones I've heard. Sermons are kind of like base hits in a baseball game. Their effect, their effect is cumulative. Once in a while you might see a grand slam, but mostly you'll remember the ones that go horribly wrong. And I feel the need to say this because I think some people think you can cobble together a Christian life just by showing up on Sunday and listening to the message like a weekly check-in with a big man upstairs. That's not how it works. You've got to do the day-by-day -day training. Faith is really a Monday-to-Saturday business. I'm told by people who run that they experience something called a runner's high. The euphoric feeling, supposedly, when you're into a run and you feel like you could go on forever, I'm never going to experience that because there's nothing I hate more than running. And you have to run. You have to practice before you get to experience the high, the euphoria. You have to do it before you enjoy it. It's hard to get there. You have to push through the initial discomfort because fitness doesn't come naturally to sedentary people. And be honest with you, the spiritual life is not all that different because spiritual fitness doesn't come naturally to those of us who spend our time chasing the pleasures of the world. You've got to do the work of prayer and study. But I can tell you from experience, I promise, 
If you persevere, it will not always be a grind. It will not always be a chore. If you persevere in prayer and study, one day you will discover a sudden sweetness. It will come from nowhere. There will be a warmth. There will be a comfort. There will be a peace. And it will all make sense. It will all be worth it. Prayer and study will shift from being something you struggle with to something you can't go a day without. But here's the twist. The similarity between physical and spiritual training, we can only push these metaphors so far. Because the difference between the physical and spiritual life is that growth in the spiritual life doesn't come by relying on our own strength, our own discipline. Prayer and study is the work of the spiritual life, and don't get me wrong, it's work. But the reason you do the work isn't just because of the reward at the end, like you train so you can run the marathon or you rise and grind every day so you can retire in your 40s or whatever. We do the work of the spiritual life not just because of the reward that awaits, but in response to the reward we've already received through no virtue or effort of our own. Prayer and study is the response to the good news of what God has already and always and once and for all done for us, for you and for me in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's look again at those first verses of Colossians we heard today. If you have been raised with Christ, have been raised, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. Did you know that? You're following Jesus? You've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3, one of my top five favorite verses of the whole Bible. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Marinate in that mystery for a little while like little spiritual pickles. And when your Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And therefore, verse 5, put to death whatever in you is earthly. Not dial it back, not moderate it a little bit. Put it to death. In these verses, I hope you'll go back and read these, study these, pray through these. Colossians chapter 3. In these verses, we've got a whole sketch of the spiritual life, of the role of prayer and study. Because prayer and study are precisely the daily exercise of seeking the things, setting your mind on the things that are above. Through which you put on the new self with the renewed mind. And you don't do this because God says, if you work hard enough, someday I might let you catch a glimpse of me. No, you do it because of what God has already done. Because God has fully showed who God is in the person of Jesus. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then God has already claimed your life as his own. Even now, right now, while we're talking, even while you're still breathing, even this side of the grave. And your life, right now now is hidden with Christ in God. And if you haven't followed Jesus yet, it's as simple as that, of giving your life to him, your life will be claimed and taken up into God. And all the day-to-day -day that passes for your life, that's not really your life anymore if you're following Jesus. So why would you focus on that stuff? For a Christian, prayer and study is nothing less than seeking yourself in the only place you can really truly be found anymore, which is Jesus. And it's work, yeah, it's work, but it's not pull yourself up by your bootstraps work. It's the work of closing your fingers around the warm hand of the Holy Spirit that you suddenly find in your palm. 
in the slow, often painful, day-by-day work of spiritual rehabilitation, of salvation, of allowing God to pull you ever closer, ever higher, and ever deeper. All right, we got to wrap up. So real talk, brass tacks, how are we going to do this thing, this prayer and study? How are you going to learn it if you don't already know? And you do have to learn it. When I became a Christian, nobody taught me how to pray. I didn't even know it was something I needed to learn. And it wasn't until embarrassingly recently that I really started to learn how. And the Holy Spirit has led me in that learning, and I share that with you, even though it feels a little strange, because it's arguably been one of the most important development of my spiritual life. And here's what I want you to know. Prayer and study, all that setting your mind on heavenly things, it's so practical. Not practical in the sense there's a technique to making God show up. It's, prayer and study isn't about making God show up. You can't do that. It's about learning how to watch and listen so that when God does show up, you can see and hear what's going on. And you can't learn how to, you can't teach how to pray in a single sermon, but as a ministry team, we're committing to you. Anything we suggest you take up in a rhythm of life, we're going to show you how to do it. So in January, we're going to be offering rhythm of life workshops where you can explore this for yourself. I hope you'll sign up for one. And as a congregation, we're going to turn up the spiritual thermostat on our prayer and study. Here's what it looks like. If you want to develop a rhythm of prayer, it's going to be a journey of a lifetime, but here's some ways to start. First, you commit to praying a little every day. Commit to pray when you get up, when you go to sleep, and when you eat. Start there. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Just decide. Before I check my phone, make the coffee, before I turn out the light, before I take a bite, it rhymes so it must be true, uh, I'm going to give the day to God. Uh, I'm going to give the night to God. I'm going to give thanks to God for this food that I need. That's a start, and you could do that today. Even if you haven't prayed already today, there's a lot of day left ahead of us. You could do this And if you want to build on the rhythm, if you like it, then you can join in our Advent prayer invitation. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to invite in the congregation into daily prayer. We're going to have a prayer guide that that we pass out in late November. And if you like that and you want to build on it in 2023, we're going to be encouraging the congregation in daily prayer and a pattern of prayer you can use to shape your everyday. And if you want to develop a rhythm of study, well, it's pretty straightforward. Join a group. Join one of our 35-plus small groups where people study Scripture together. And I'm like, sorry, not sorry to be blunt about that. Uh, if you want the fullness of Christian life, you need people around you. And this, this is great, but this sitting side by side, facing one another, listening to a sermon, it doesn't cut it. This is not Christian community. Let me be totally clear. Where, whoever you are, you are welcome here on whatever terms you want. Slip in, slip out, don't talk to anybody. You're just visiting. That's okay. Seriously. Do what you need to do as long as you need to do it. But Sunday is just an aroma. It's like smelling a meal that you never take a bite of. You need some place where you can practice with others. If you look at Colossians 3, 12 to 16, it's all in the plural. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, practice patience, kindness, forgiveness, love, harmony. You know who doesn't need those things? Hermits. The rest of us, we do. They're the virtues of people living alongside other people. It's all in the plural. It's you and the people around you, but you're all facing the same way, so you're not bothering each other. You don't have to forgive each other. You need to bug each other and then forgive each other. That's how you're going to encounter Scripture in prayer. The whole effect of prayer and study, of setting your mind on Jesus, of living into that new life instead of your old life. 
That's something that overflows into the life of community that are going to be the rhythms we're talking about in the weeks to come. Service, generosity, and faithful living. And the best way to continue this at St. Paul's is to join a group. Today, the Rhythm of Life resource table in the atrium is all about connect groups. There's a sign with a QR code that will take you to the groups page. There's a flyer. You can browse it by the schedule. I should have had it with me to show it to you. Imagine there's a flyer here with the schedule of connect groups. Uh, and connect group leaders are wearing badges that say, ask me about connect groups. You should take them up on it. Join a group. Christian life is not just whatever you're already doing with a slightly different spin and a little bit more purpose. The Christian life is, in a very practical way, the day-to-day -day living of a qualitatively different life, which is the life that is hidden with Christ in God. And I want that for you. Am I allowed to say that? I want that for you. Prayer and study will not always be easy, but it is so, so good. Because Jesus is so, so 